Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's a big old burning skip in some ways. No, look, let's start. I mean, the Tories are in the right. Let's start with the Tories, actually. The Tories, Liz Truss, whenever you get a new leader, some people are like, well, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe. I mean, she's catastrophic, absolute catastrophe. They're in meltdown. The economy's in meltdown. Some might say it's in the bag for the Labour Party now. No, it's not. It's not in the bag. And I don't, I think, I don't think anyone in the party, I know people are confident, but I don't think anyone is, is, is going to be complacent enough to think that. And not if you understand electoral history and the fact that the Tories have won three times as many elections as Labour. So you've got an electoral system stacked against you, the media. Um, you've got a jury-rigged voting system. Um, you've got you know, the Electoral Commission now looking at boundaries that are likely to change before the next election. It's stacked against Labour. Um, and obviously, you know, there are certain things we're discussing at conference today, PR, one of them. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But I think in terms of this trust, don't write them off. I mean, they are backed by the British establishment of this country, a multi-billion pound uh, mega industry, and they will not let that go easily. So I think, you know, whilst we have a, you know, a lot to look forward to in terms of Labour being able to potentially form an administration, possibly a minority administration that's now within grasp, um, I think you cannot underestimate the Tories, despite the fact, I don't think Liz Truss even gambled with the economy. I don't think you can call it a gamble. What she did wasn't a gamble. I think she hates, I mean, the question you need to ask is, why does she hate working people so much? And what was their game plan? You know, a £60 billion giveaway. And I can only think that the reason that they've done this could be a scorched earth policy to make it as difficult as possible for Labour. That's one way of looking at it. But I think the other reason is that it's like for them, it's, it's, it's kind of win-win. If, if this works out, if this, if this thing works out, this gamble, for want of a better word, works out, she gets to stay in power. And if they don't, they've so trashed it for Labour. And at the same time, they've handed billions of pounds over to their mates. And I think that ultimately money equals power in our political system. And they understand that. So they're basically sowing the seeds for them to come back into power very shortly. So... Keir Starmer stood for leader of the Labour Party in 2020 on quite a clear platform, I would say. Ten pledges. Ten pledges. And he made all sorts of other... He talked about party unity, all the rest of it. Basically, it was radical domestic policies plus party unity. That was the Keir Starmer programme. Let's start with party unity. So, 200,000 Labour Party members have left, which is astonishing, because it was, you know, a mass movement, a mass membership party. Mm. A huge chunk have obviously left. But also, you've had, you know... You know, the left aren't in the shadow cabinet, not represented on the front benches. Um, and yesterday, a NEC member, a National Executive Committee member, said, the work is not yet done. We've got to slam the door down to make sure the hard left, as they describe it, and never come back ever again. Mm. They want people like you out forever. Mm. There's always been people like that in the party. Um, I think the first thing to do is when someone's trying to push you out the plane, it's not to jump out. I think that's the first thing. So 
I understand why people have left the party. I do get that. I can empathise with the anger. I mean, obviously, people have been watching the Labour files. Um, I haven't seen it myself yet. I will watch it. Uh, I understand that anger. Um, but if you understand, I think there are two things. If you understand the history of the Labour Party, then I think you understand what it is a vehicle for, how it works. Um, it has always, especially under the voting system we have, been in some ways, um, it was Paul Mason that said to me, the last line of defence of British capitalism runs through the shadow cabinet of the Labour Party. When you think about that for a second, you understand that basically there are two political parties and the ruling party, the, the party of establishment is the Tory party, but when they mess it up or when they're no longer... Uh, able to kind of hold on to the reins of power. You need another political party. It was the Liberals, but now it's the Labour Party that can then take over and not do too much damage against the material interests of uh, British capital. And in some ways, that's where the Labour Party is at the moment. It is not going to be a transformative Labour government. It doesn't look like that, especially given what Keir's done on the 10 pledges. But frankly, people are desperate. After 13 years of a Labour government, of a, of a Tory government, after 13 years, 12 years of a Tory government, they're desperate. You know, look at the food banks. You look at the people on the streets. You look at the state of the country. You look at the, you look at the people running the country. People want a change. Um, we're in a position now where that might happen. But my problem, my concern, is that what we will see is a Labour government that will not change fundamentally the, who has power and control in this country. It will not be a transformative Labour Party. We've got a climate crisis, an existential threat upon us. We've got the rise of fascism in the far right, everywhere from Sweden, Poland, Hungary. You know, Italy. It's, it, Italy yeah? So it's, it, the clock's ticking. And, and you know, what I don't want to see, and I think what a lot of people, what many of the viewers here don't want to see, we don't want to see a Labour government get in, a euphoria, and then spend five years tweaking at the margins and putting in place minor changes, which then the Tories just come in and sweep away, like they did in 2010, after 12 years of a Labour government. You know, that Labour government made a difference to my life and millions of other people's lives. But so much of those changes were swept away, like they were built on sand. So that was the difference with Corbyn and McDonnell, I think. They were talking about transformative. Those pledges, that transformative economics, transformative power, you know, changing the structures of power in this country. And I think ultimately, unless Labour is prepared to do that, if it comes into power, all we're doing is setting ourselves up for another Tory government that will be even more right-wing, even more repressive, even more authoritarian, and will be even further into the climate crisis. And, and I think that's what makes me so despondent. So, you know, I understand why I want to push people like me and others out. I don't think all of the party and all of the hierarchy want to do that. But I think there's definitely an, an animosity there. I can definitely feel it. But my job is to represent my constituents and to represent those people in this country and in this party that want to see transformative socialism or democratic socialism, whatever you want to call it, in this country. And, you know, we're meant to be a broad church. I think there's room for people like me in this party. I think there's room for people like you in this party, Owen. But I admit, people are making it very difficult for us. Well, I mean, one of the things that I suppose would worry people on the left is... A lot of people around the Labour leadership, what they're thinking is there might be a hung parliament, for example, or a very small Labour majority. And that would give left-wing Labour MPs actually potentially a lot of power because, the, you know, if there's a backbench rebellion, then Labour loses its majority. Now, they have thought about that. And a lot of them, their view is just kick out those left-wing MPs. Find a pretext, you know, one by one, salami slice, mm. come up with excuses. 
I mean, is that not a very light it's, concern? It is entirely possible, but it's not. But I think as well, you know, look, there, there is there is some credibility to the argument. For example, when you talk about a minority administration and the fact that the SNP um, could hold the balance of power, and the Labour Party have been quite clear, they they say that they would uh, that they would say to them, look, put up or shut up. Do you want to let the Tories back in? Well, that would that would hold for everyone inside the PLP. Um, you know, look, we don't go around wanting to... Re I, I, mean, I, I mean, I speak for myself, but I know a lot of other MPs on the left don't go around because we want to rebel. We want our party to be a decent socialist party that looks out for the interests of working people, whether they are black or they're white, has an internationalist perspective, believes in social and economic justice and believes in our democracy. And that's not a hard thing to ask. And I think if our party, the Labour Party, is in power, we'd expect policies which furthered that. And, and, and I, I, you know, I understand this argument that they're going to want to try and get some of those left MPs out. I, I, I just, I think if you keep on talking about it and, and asking for it and wishing for it, it's likely to, to more likely to come true. And I, and I just think ultimately, you know, look, being in the Labour Party, you know, it's like a gym membership. Yeah? It, it, you, you can say, oh, I've had enough and rip your card up or try and rip your card up. If you've tried it, it's pretty difficult. Uh, and throw it back. I've seen someone that tried it before. It's very, it's very embarrassing. Um, and <clears throat> it's, it, you can do that. But ultimately, you know, this is about class politics. It's, it's not called the struggle for nothing. You know, it's tough. And if you understand the history of the Labour Party, you understand that it's been like this way for quite a while. It doesn't mean it's always going to be this way. And I think what we experienced under Corbyn in the last five years spoiled a lot of people. It's not the kind of, it's not where we usually are. And I think for some people it was too, the, the culture shock was too much. For those of us that have been in the party for a long time, Corbynism was like the kind of, the kind of just like, it was what it was like all your Christmases come at once. But you could see it in the context of where the Labour Party had come from and the history of the Labour Party. I think for people who come in, perhaps just new to politics, new to Labour politics, there's been a real big shock, and I think it's it's driven some of them away. And I understand that. I do. I really do empathise with that. So you're a big supporter of proportionate representation. I was talking to one Labour MP today, and he he said, "Well, look, if you're on the doorstep, this ain't what people are talking about. They're talking about bread and butter issues, issues that affect them, their families and communities. They're not talking about the electoral system." He said it was a very Westminster focused thing. So yeah, obviously, I want you to take that argument on, but also whatever conference thinks. Keir Starmer is not going to introduce proportional representation. And I think one of the reasons he won't is because having taken on the left and the Labour Party and marginalised it, he knows there would be an, a separate left party and then they would have to form a coalition with it. And in France, you've seen the more radical left party overtake the French equivalent of the Labour Party. So, yeah, I, I mean, OK, so, I mean, we could we could. We can talk a bit about second guessing what would happen if PR came in. We, we can go on to that. In terms of this isn't what people are talking about on the doorstep, that's bollocks. And that MP, that shadow cabinet member knows it. And I'll tell you why it's wasn't a, uh, oh, I want to tell you why that Labour MP is talking bollocks. All PR is about polit is about power. Who wields it? Who has it? OK, it's about a voting system is the very basis of a democracy. And if you have a voting system that is stacked in favour of the ruling elite and establishment, which means that a narrow set of swing marginal constituencies and the issues which the plutocratic media tell them are the issues, that allows them to be able to disrupt our politics, to be able to dictate what those issues are, what the Labour Party gets to talk about. If that isn't about power, all people have been talking about, 
2008, the crash in 2008, that's about power. It was about who was going to pay for the deregulation that the Tories and successive governments allowed to happen in the banking and financial institutions. Who was going to pay for that? In the end, the power was with British capital because we picked up the tab in the form of austerity. That was about power. The Scottish referendum, where is power situated? In Westminster and London or in Glasgow? That was about power. Brexit. Take back control. People wanting power. They wanted a say over their lives. Strikes are about people wanting a say over their lives at work. So the argument that PR is an irrelevancy, if you look at all of the issues that face us on inequality, poverty, the climate crisis, it is a failure of democracy, both domestically and internationally, which is causing that because people don't vote for homelessness. They don't vote for inequality. They don't vote for poverty, they don't vote for the climate crisis. And so that is a failure of our democracy and the fundamental basics of getting that democracy right. The key, not a silver bullet, but the key is PR. So I think those that say, and look, you know, there's this guy saying, you know, well, no one's interested in not talking about it on the doorstep. Gordon Brown and his leaked documents, you know, well, they've just paid Gordon Brown and this committee to go away, this commission, to go away and look and talk about our democracy, about the fact that, well, they're not talking about the fact that we've just had a hereditary billionaire foisted upon us um, uh, with the full power of the state um, uh, helping along with that. They're not talking about that, but they are talking about the second chamber. They are talking about regional devolution. So they are talking about power and voting systems are part of that. So I get a bit, a bit angst and a bit, a bit angry when people say this is some kind of Westminster, you know, Romaniac issue. This is an issue that goes to the heart of our democracy and therefore it's important because everything else is a symptom of that. So I think, look, what happens after that? The thing is whether Keir Starmer, if this vote goes through tonight, whether Keir Starmer and the leadership endorse it or not, the reality is in the last two years with the campaign for PR. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hundreds of thousands of people have been talking about and thinking about our democracy, been thinking about where and how power is wielded in this country. And that's a win. That's a gain. This isn't going to go back into the box. You're not going to put the PR back into the box. You're not going to put the issue of Scottish independence. You're not going to put the issue of the British polity. You're not going to put the, 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 kind of the issue of rights at work back in the box. This is all intermixed with that. So I really feel that... Whatever Keir Starmer says or does, the reality is the British public, now more than 50% for the first time uh, ever, more than 50% of the British public think that some form of proportional representation, i.e. their vote actually counting, should be a, a mainstream political issue, should be something that happens. So I think, uh, I think the march of history is on our side. 
And in many ways, you know, look, whether the leadership or so say they'll accept it or not, the reality is this is now on the table and it isn't going anywhere. Climate crisis, you mentioned that. That's been one of your big things for a while. I mean, it's quite a big issue, the future survival of human civilization. <laughs> to be fair, it'd be kind of well annoying if we all get wiped out. So if we could avoid that, that would be great. Um, Labour do have, a poly- you know, their whole their slogan is a greener, fairer future. Um, they've got this twenty-eight billion pound commitment. So, is it fine now? Is is Labour in the? It's all fine. We could just no. Shut up and and uh, do you know? Look, it's great. It's great to hear this because it's step. In, it's a step in the right direction. But the, if you look at the Green New Deal that myself and Caroline and, and Nadia, who you've got on later, have kind of a, a, a champion championing. The, you know, I think a lot of people think that the Green New Deal is just about spending lots of money on building new wind turbines and solar power and retrofitting homes. That's a massive part of it, clearly. And clearly there's an urgency now because of the energy crisis. But just as big, uh, if you look at the legislation that we've put in, is this issue of democracy. I keep on banging on about this. Because what I see at the moment, because we're not pledging uh, to nationalise and take back under public control um, our transport, our public transport system, although parts of rail, but there are big parts of it that aren't, uh, in terms of our energy system, our water. Um, what we're talking about, that £28 billion is basically going to go into the pockets, a large part of it, into the pockets of privatised industries and shareholders. And a big part of what the Green New Deal is about, it's not just about spending money, it's also a holistic approach to democratising the economy. So that means not just um, uh, you know, bringing things under public control, the key things that we all need in our lives, energy, water, public transport and things like that, but it's also about the Bank of England, which has a massive impact on our lives. That should be far more democratic and transparent in terms of the, the policies that it pursues. You know, many people here now will be paying perhaps up to £600 more a year on their mortgages um, this time next year on current trajectory. So what this is about is about the democratisation, not just of the British state, but the British economy. And that also means having control or more control over the city of London and financial interests, which frankly are driving the climate crisis. It means having more control over the energy companies, which are going around and now lobbying for more oil to come out of the ground in the name of the energy crisis. So this is about democracy running through. And that isn't in, at this moment, in any kind of scale inside Labour's commitment. So great that we're spending the money, but it's not great that we're going to be handing £28 billion to to largely vested interests. And that, frankly, isn't acceptable. Last question, because you've got to get you a busy man. I think I'm looking around the second oldest person in the room. Um, The point I was going (laughs) to... Sorry, that's funny though. Uh, <laughs> young people, obviously, a lot of younger people were very inspired under Corbyn, partly because I mean it's, it's the same phenomenon in America. You know, Bernie Sanders, no spring chicken, a septuagenarian, now an octogenarian. That you know, those he most inspired were younger, not his own generation. That was true with Corbynism here. That's because young people in this country have been robbed of. Uh, security, uh, they've often even, you know, you get a university degree, you still often face being indebted, but also in an insecure working life, uh, stagnating, falling wages, a housing crisis, which defines the lives of so many young people. Where do you think Labour are at with young people? I mean, you know, if they scrap the tuition fees pledge, that is basically like a massive up yours, totemic up yours at young people. So what do you, where do you think they're at with younger people? Because it strikes me a lot of anti kind of left sentiment is almost a kind of spiteful resentment yeah. towards younger people and their demands. Yeah, I, 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 I 
So I think if you think about the kind of the north-south divide, there's also been a, 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 the, the divide between rich and poor, between north and south, hence the whole levelling up agenda. There's also been a massive divide by age in this country. And what we've seen over the last 12 years in particular are the material interests of a, of a certain demographic in this country, people with property assets, people with savings, who have benefited substantially from a lot of those policy changes. So I think young people will want to see a Labour government that, whilst it talks up uh, the necessity to level up, uh, about the necessity to tackle inequality, not just on incomes but on wealth as well, and that's important, but will also tackle the inequality between old and young. Because basically what happened, you know, the generation ahead of me, Owen, um, the generation ahead of me, many of them, I mean, I know my mum and dad and my nan and granddad, they had, you know, they, they were living in council houses when they were sold off. Those public assets were sold off. And there's a, there's a generation of people, two generations of people, some of whom have done quite well from that. And, and look, I don't begrudge them that. I, I don't like the fact that council houses were sold. But I also understand that those people benefited from it. But it's obviously quite clear that when we look to the future, when we look at what young people have, you look at the debt that young people are going into now. You look at the fact that they're, gonna, they're more likely going to enter the precariat rather than have a long-term secure job. What chance of a pension have people looking at pensions? What chance of a decent pension have they got? So these are issues that political parties have to face up to. But again, you know, it's imperative that young people feel that their vote matters. You know, it comes back to democracy again. Because if you don't feel that democracy is looking out for your interests, if you don't feel that there is some future for you, then you either turn away from voting and turn away from democracy. And I think that's a concern that as the climate crisis begins to develop with the rise of authoritarianism, with the rise of the far right, people, young people included, will begin to look for far more simplistic answers to the kind of demagogues we've seen in the past. And I think that's the fear we have. So it's imperative that the Labour Party has an offer for young people as part of a holistic uh, series of policy offers. And I think that has to be front and centre. Andy Burnham was talking about it. I think there's a, cons I think there's a consensus across the party that that has to happen because they've caught, uh, you know, short shrift for far too long. I've got a parting gift for you. Mm. Breaking, for the first time ever, Labour Conference has voted for proportional representation. Boom! Yeah! <laughs> Boom! And yeah, so, so, I mean, look, that, you know, look, you know, look, my, you know, if Keir, if Keir and the leadership want to ignore that and they, they do they, just <laughs> they do spoiler spoiler yeah. they want they to do. they do but that but to be in in some ways there that's an irrelevancy because not only do will care i imagine and the labor party if it goes into some form of minority administration which frankly without scotland turning around and that isn't going to happen in the next couple of years without scotland turning around it will be uh, more likely to be a minority administration you're going to have to work with other political parties who have vowed that proportional representation will be a key plank of any form of cooperation. Now, you can say whatever you want and play hardball before, but that's the reality. And the second thing is, this isn't going anywhere. The Labour Party has now joined the ranks of every other centre-left party in this country and across much of Europe to back a voting system which enfranchises people and doesn't disenfranchise them. And that's the basis of our democracy. And I'm over the moon at that, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm very clear I'm not going to allow myself to be disillusioned by whatever statements or smoke signals come um, out of the leader's office, because ultimately they know that this is on the political agenda. It's on the table. It's not going back in the box and it will be there at the next election and beyond. Massive round of applause for Clive Lewis. <laughs> Woo!
Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting, and I certainly did. Uh, do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road, uh, forward slash orangejones84. Leave us some stars, that'd be nice. Spread the word. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.